0: My favorite thing to do when I'm commuting or waiting on a long line is hop onto June's journey and escape into a game filled with compelling stories, strong female characters, and a true crime mystery I want to help solve. The game lets you step into the role of June Parker as she tries to figure out who killed her sister. By playing the hidden object mystery mobile game, you put your detective skills to the test. You find clues, play mind-teasing puzzles, and dive into the roaring 1920s. I'm on Chapter 4 and still trying to figure out how these clues will help me crack the case of who did it and why. But I can't do it alone. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Wedded Bliss turns into a dark mystery in Lucy Foley's The Guest List. The thrilling mystery is set on the coast of Ireland and it's my latest pick to listen to on Audible. The twists and turns do not disappoint. Listening to it felt addicting because I needed to know what happened next. The time is now more than ever to embrace the breathtaking, sinister, and shocking audio titles. Especially with brand new exclusive thrillers that are guaranteed to keep you on the edge of your seat. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. It is the home of storytelling, after all. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash snapped or text snapped to 500 That's audible.com slash snapped or text snapped to 500
1: They were a power couple building a life and a fortune together.
2: Both get a very strong drive to be successful. They lived a pretty comfortable lifestyle. They loved each other and mm.
1: they were fun. But their fun ends when a violent home invasion robs them of their future. There was blood spatter on the stairs going up. The brutality of the crime is shocking. It
3: was like something I'd never seen before. It was like television. It wasn't right.
2: It wasn't your run-of-the-mill murder. It was in a very affluent area. We knew instantly that this was gonna be a high-profile case.
1: The ensuing investigation will soon uncover a life riddled with danger and temptation.
4: His reputation was pretty tough. We had been told that he
2: had already been imprisoned once. There were a lot of women in and out of his life, and he loved the attention of having beautiful women on his arm. He was involved
5: with some shady characters, and there was some drug usage.
2: When you heard the recordings, you were saying to yourself, it's just a matter of time before something really bad happens.
1: January 16th, 2001, Overland Park, Kansas. It's 9.27 p.m., and Officer Steve Parker is seven hours into his shift when he receives a report of a possible break-in at a local residence.
3: We do a lot of residence checks for one reason or another. The residents are scared to go into their house. They find a door open, an alarm's gone off. There's a multiple number of reasons that we would respond to something like this.
1: When Officer Parker and Officer Diane Gaffney arrive at the home, 51-year-old Tyler Block Patton walks them through the events that led up to her call.
3: She said that she had proceeded to go into the residence. She noticed it was dark. She uh, observed some items thrown about. She started to walk up the stairs. She heard a noise. It spooked her, so she ran back out, then contacted us. Tyler says
1: she's worried about her husband, Ed Patton, who she hasn't spoken to since the previous afternoon.
3: Tyler, she had told us that her husband, Ed, should be in the residence upstairs. He had been suffering from the flu for the last four to five days, so he should be inside in bed.
1: According to Tyler, Ed had
6: insisted she stay at one of their rental properties to avoid spreading his illness. She said that he was so afraid of getting her sick that when she pulled up to the residence, she was supposed to honk the horn of her vehicle so he could spray the house with disinfectant to kill the germs. After speaking with Tyler,
1: the officers enter the home.
3: When we opened the front door, I announced very loudly police department. I yelled, Ed, are you here? I got no response.
1: As they make their way through the home, a chilling pattern
3: emerges. I had mentioned to Officer Gaffney when we were downstairs that this did not look right. I could see debris just thrown about the room.
6: There was blood spatter on the stairs going up. It was sporadic. It was just a few drops. And we were trying to avoid those drops as we were walking up. There was a gold watch laying on the stairs also.
1: The trail leads directly to the master bedroom.
3: I can't see everything because it's dark. So I'm slowly trying to maneuver myself around the room so that I can check all the corners to make sure that there's nobody in there. I get to a point that I can actually see a bed and what appears to be an individual lying in the bed. The bottom of that face was visible.
6: But it's clear Ed isn't asleep. He had a blanket that was covering his head and it was quite bloody.
5: Whoever did this uh, did it with malice and anger. It was personal.
6: I could
3: see brain matter and blood splatter all over the headboard. In all my years of law enforcement, this is by far one of the most violent crime scenes I had ever seen.
1: Ed Patton Jr. had always enjoyed a comfortable
5: life. Ed Patton was the only son of Ed Sr. and Lou Patton. His father had uh, a successful real estate business.
2: The name Ed Patton Real Estate was definitely a well-known name in the real estate community and very well respected.
1: Ed Jr. was respected as well for his kind heart and natural charisma.
2: He liked to laugh, have a good time. He was definitely a very outgoing guy, liked to be the center of attention.
1: Despite his comfortable upbringing, Ed strived to make his parents proud.
2: Ed just didn't take it easy. He just didn't take, you know, go to the beach and take a vacation. He worked hard.
1: Life was good until his father, Ed Sr. died in 1987. Ed Jr. was left an inheritance in a trust that he didn't always spend wisely.
5: From all accounts, he liked to go out and party and date, and you know, it's not like he quit working, but he lived a pretty comfortable lifestyle.
7: Part of that party lifestyle included use of marijuana and other drugs, other illicit
1: drugs. By his 40s, Ed had one botched marriage under his belt and was immersed in bachelorhood.
2: He loved The Bachelor life. There were a lot of women in and out of his life, and he loved the attention of having beautiful women on his arm. And he loved the fact that he had money and that he could treat these women the way they want to be treated.
1: Ed's carousing ways might have continued indefinitely had it not been for one blonde bombshell named Tyler Block. Unlike Ed Patton, Jr., Tyler wasn't born with a silver spoon in her mouth.
2: Tyler was actually born with the name of Phyllis Walsh. She was born in a blue collar area of the Kansas City metro area. Like a lot of people that grow up poor, Tyler definitely wanted something more for her life. And she didn't have a formal college education, but she had a very strong drive to be successful. And that led her to opening up a nail salon that actually did pretty well
1: but running a business required long hours, and her personal relationships inevitably suffered. By the 1980s, Tyler, then known as Phyllis, was on her third marriage to a local businessman named Michael Block.
4: He was good friends with my husband. Michael sold real estate.
1: After a few years together, Phyllis and Michael's marriage crumbled. Phyllis used the opportunity to reinvent herself, starting with her name. I think she just didn't like the name Phyllis. Thought it was a old-fashioned kind of
7: name.
4: She changed her name to Tyler.
1: With her new name, Tyler thought it was time for a new career. She closed her nail salon and branched out into real estate.
5: It seems that there was one constant in her life as an adult, it was change. She was always looking for something better, always searching, you know, that, grass is always greener kind of thing.
1: When she locked eyes with Ed Patton in 1998, it seemed Tyler's searching had come to an end.
2: He was attracted to her. She was an attractive woman. And I I guess you could say he also liked her personality. Uh, He could tell that she was driven and she was outgoing. And it was pretty well known that Ed had a thing for Tyler.
1: Though hesitant at first, Tyler decided to give Ed a chance.
8: Ed was uh, sort of a cut-up. And Tyler was more I would think of a serious person, but she liked to have a good time.
4: Tyler was supposed to come over to my house that night and she called me and said, okay, what would you do if you met this really cute guy that really wants me to go do something with him now? And I said I would go with the guy and that was Eddie.
2: When Tyler met Ed, it seemed like finally everything was going the way that she wanted. Everything was coming together after this long struggle in life that she had had to endure.
1: For Ed's mother, Lou, Tyler was the answer to prayers.
2: Lou was a, a strong supporter of Tyler.
1: They were kind of
7: a pair, very friendly and had common goals and beliefs.
2: Ed was very close to his mom, and she was, you know, putting a little bit of pressure on him to get married.
1: Ed and Tyler tied the knot in February of 2000.
2: When he got with Tyler, the the timing was really right for him to want to settle down.
4: They got married in a church. Eddie's mother turned to me and said, well, Carolyn, we finally
1: did it. The couple soon joined forces in business as well, purchasing investment properties to flip for profit.
4: I have known two couples that I thought were perfect for each other, and Eddie and Tyler were one of them.
1: The future looked bright for the newlyweds until January 16th, 2001, less than one year after their wedding, when Ed's body is discovered covered in blood by Overland Park police officers.
3: I was a little surprised. Typically, we don't go on, check the welfares and find homicide victims.
1: Outside the residence, Ed's wife, Tyler Block Patton, awaits the news of her husband's condition.
3: She asked me, well, he just had the flu, is he okay? And my response to her was, no, he's dead. I kind of had to hold her back and then she kind of started to collapse, which I caught her from falling to the ground.
1: Coming up, gruesome details
9: emerge. There were skull fragments around the side of his head. It almost made him unidentifiable.
1: And investigators uncover a double life.
5: There was a small amount of marijuana found there.
2: It never locked his doors. You were left wondering a little bit, could this have been drug influenced?
1: After performing a routine welfare check, Overland Park patrol officers have found the battered body of 49-year-old real estate agent, Ed Patton, lying in his own bed.
3: I told Officer Gaffney we had a homicide scene here and we needed to contact uh, some additional resources.
1: In the early hours of January 17th, Overland Park CSI and homicide detectives descend on the scene.
9: Most of all, there were a lot of valuables left. A Gucci watch was the first indicator to me when I walked in the house that there was a problem because if a person was stealing stuff, even if they got just a Gucci watch, they would have gotten it and gotten out of there.
7: There was also kind of a trail of meaningless items that were down the stairs and out the back door.
5: It was like whoever did it, tried to make things look like they'd been scattered about and ransacked
1: how the killer entered the home is also puzzling there was no forced entry to the house in the master bedroom detectives find a gruesome scene
9: it was obvious looking at the blood that had dried and the smell that it wasn't a fresh kill it had been some time since the, the person had become
3: deceased I noted a very pungent rotting smell odor. It's a smell that you will never forget, and it will
9: kind of make it stamp in your mind. The body was laying in the center of the bed on its back, covered up with several blankets. There was quite a bit of blood that had soaked through. When I pulled the blanket off of his face, I could see a forehead and a bit of a chin. And then the rest was a mass of blood pulled up.
6: This did appear very violent. Part of his skull was lying next to his head. It almost made him
9: unidentifiable at that immediate point in time. In my career, I've seen lots of dead bodies, but this was as bad a display of damage to a person's face that I'd ever seen. From the blood spatter and the blood soak, it was indicative of an object striking over and over. It appeared the person was asleep and never knew that they were being attacked.
1: Processing the scene, investigators begin to meticulously remove the bed linens one at a time.
9: I don't recall if it was uh, under the first blanket or under the second blanket, but I found a sliver of wood that was red in color. At that particular point, I wasn't sure exactly what the sliver of wood meant but it was totally out of place. There was no other wood around there. So I collected it as evidence.
1: Like downstairs, the bedroom appears to have been staged.
7: The TV had been moved. It was by the bed. There were blood spatters on the TV that was consistent with it having been in its original position.
9: The bathroom had drawers open and medicine bottles laying about on the counter.
1: To detectives, The biggest inconsistency between the scene and the burglary gone wrong theory is Ed himself.
9: When you're looking at a body that has been mutilated this badly, if it was a burglar, they may hit the person one time and knock them out and get away. The amount of damage done to this indicates that the person who did it had a lot of rage toward the victim.
1: But who had targeted this affluent real estate broker? A thorough sweep of the downstairs provides investigators with their first possible clue.
5: There was a small amount of uh, marijuana that was found there.
1: As investigators set up a mobile command unit to help process the scene, news of the horrific slaying travels fast through the community.
2: This case really stood out. It wasn't your run-of-the-mill murder. It was in a very affluent area, Overland Park, and and murders just don't happen there. So when we heard about it, we knew instantly that this was gonna be a high-profile case.
4: I was panicked, and that night, I went over to Tyler's house to comfort her and talk to her. She, of course, was crying and heartbroken, but what I recall her saying is, what am I gonna do, what am I gonna do?
1: As day breaks, investigators searching the home's perimeter find what they believe is the murder weapon.
3: There was a two by four that was located near the deck that had been wrapped with a towel. When they removed the towel, it was determined to be blood on this section of two by four.
9: One can only surmise why the towel would be around it. You would think it was because they're rough and have splinters in them and a person held onto that end. It gives you a grip where you can hold onto it better.
1: Texts collect blood and other trace evidence from the wooden plank. Studying the board, investigators quickly make a connection.
9: The piece of wood that I took off of the bed between the blankets was matched to that piece of 2 4 to the point that you could actually put it in from where it had broken off.
1: While CSIs continue to process the scene, Ed's widow, Tyler Block Patton, has finally composed herself enough to talk to investigators. Tyler says she's been out of the home for several days while Ed recovered from the flu.
5: Tyler told the police that she had moved out of the house because he didn't want her to get sick.
1: According to Tyler, she and her husband stayed in contact for most of the week then on the afternoon of january 15th ed stopped responding to her messages
6: tyler had said that because she hadn't spoken to or seen ed in several days she wanted to come to the house to check up on him tyler says it was shortly after she arrived at the house that she notified police she had entered the house she noticed that all the lights were off which she said was unusual because ed did like to have the lights on and the tv on And she told me that the darkness scared her, and she ran out of the house to call the police. When asked about her relationship with Ed, Tyler begins to choke up. Tyler said that Ed treated her like a queen.
5: Everything's great. We're in love. We love each other.
1: In fact, Tyler claims the only arguments they ever had were over Ed's open-door policy towards his heart-partying old friends.
8: Ed never locked his doors. He had a group of friends that were welcome at any time, day or night,
2: and she had a hard time with it. She said Ed was a partier, and that there seemed to be a lot of people coming and going out of his home, and some pretty unsavory people at that.
1: When asked about the drugs found in her home, Tyler admits Ed had struggled with addiction before they got together.
6: Tyler told me that when they had started dating, he was trying to quit using marijuana and cocaine. She told him when they moved in together a year earlier that if she ever saw him using drugs or associating with people that used drugs, that she would leave him.
1: According to Tyler, there were recent signs that Ed may have been using again.
6: Tyler did tell me that approximately six months earlier, he began losing quite a bit of weight. I asked if it could have anything to do with drug use, and she said she did not know.
1: But if Ed was back on drugs, Tyler says a woman named Michelle would be
5: involved. Tyler had told the police Michelle had been to their house, you know, some time before the homicide and that Ed and, this, and Michelle had gotten into a heated argument over something. Michelle had been in a relationship with a guy who was like a big time drug dealer.
1: Coming up, a shocking revelation turns the investigation on its head.
5: Part of Tyler's statement was, oh my gosh, Ed and I had switched the side of the bed that we slept on. Perhaps who killed Ed was actually looking for me.
7: He's a bad guy. He has the physical capability.
8: If he had killed before, he could do it again.
0: Hey, SNAP listeners, did you know that according to FBI property crime data, most home break-ins happen in broad daylight? As the days get longer this spring, protect your home with Simply Safe. It's the award-winning home security I use and recommend. When the weather is nicer and daylight is lasting longer, I find myself going out for walks and out of the house more. That's why I like Simply Safe to protect my home 24-7. Simply Safe offers advanced technology to protect every room, window, or door of your home while cameras keep watch for suspicious activity 24/7. Plus, you install the system your way. It's easy to do it yourself or get the professionals to do it for you. You can test it out, absolutely no risk to you with Simply Safe's 60-day risk-free trial. I like Simply Safe because it's customizable for everyone's personal needs. I love to use the video doorbell for my packages and feel more safe when I'm home alone. I even installed a smart lock at my parents' house. It gives our family both ease of access and peace of mind. Protect your home today. Our listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/snapped. That's simplysafe.com/snapped. There's no safe, like simply safe. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app and answer a few questions. With Angie, you can book instantly at an upfront price or request and compare quotes from multiple pros so you can find the best price for your project. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot
1: Hours into the investigation of Kansas City real estate icon Ed Patton Jr.'s murder, his wife, Tyler Block Patton, has just dropped a bombshell allegation.
2: It was pretty well known that Ed was a recreational drug user.
1: According to Tyler, a woman named Michelle, who Ed knew from his hard partying past, was at the
5: center of it all. Michelle allegedly was somehow involved in drugs with Ed and had been in a relationship with, if I recall, a guy who was like a big time drug dealer. They have to look at that possibility. He was involved with some nefarious, shady characters in the drug business.
1: Before investigators can begin tracking down Michelle, Tyler adds a new wrinkle to the
5: case. Part of Tyler's statement was just recently Ed and I had switched the side of the bed that we slept on. So he was sleeping on the side that I normally slept on. So maybe this killer came in there thinking that was me and killed Ed. Tyler
1: says there's one man detectives should take a look at, her half-brother, Mark Walsh.
4: He was a big, big guy. And as far as his reputation, it was pretty... Tough. We had been told that he had already been imprisoned once. Tyler
8: made a comment and said Mark had killed somebody on a job site some years ago. If he had killed before, he could do it again.
1: According to Tyler, the only time she ever saw her brother was when he wanted money.
4: I know off and on he would come up to Kansas City and stay with her.
1: Tyler says when she finally told Mark he was cut off, he held her hostage for three hours.
4: she expressed concern about he was trying to strangle her and threatened her. Mark was a big guy,
8: he's strong. And I found out that he had threatened her sometime in the past with bodily harm.
7: Mark had done something physically to her. She was afraid of Mark.
1: Is it possible Ed Patton's death was a case of mistaken identity? Or could Mark have targeted Ed in the belief that it would eventually serve himself?
7: He might've thought he had a motive. He might've thought that if Tyler came into the riches, that he would be able to get some of it.
1: Detectives follow up on both leads, starting with Michelle. Michelle denies fighting with Ed in the days before his death and claims she was in Missouri visiting her boyfriend when Ed was murdered. They did prove that she was not there. But what about Tyler's claims of a drug connection between Ed, Michelle, and her drug dealer boyfriend?
5: This alleged, you know, drug dealer who could have been involved in the crime, he had died a couple of years before any of this happened. So obviously that that was a dead end as far as the police were concerned.
1: After a few days of searching, investigators tracked down Tyler's half-brother, Mark Walsh, working in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Pressed by detectives, Mark is adamant they've made a mistake.
7: Mark had been questioned by Overland Park Police, had told them that he was not in the Kansas City area at the time of Ed's death.
1: But Mark has no idea detectives have been checking local hotels where he's been known to stay in the area.
7: They had then found hotel records from Kansas City north of the river showing that he stayed there at least a night or two that would include the time of death.
1: Though with no motive and no evidence Mark was ever in the Patton home, detectives are at an impasse. They begin reviewing Ed Patton's autopsy report, hoping for a new lead. As investigators suspected, the official cause of death is blunt force trauma to the
9: head. The piece of wood that I took off of the bed between the blankets was matched to that piece of two-by-four and both pieces, the piece of wood found on the bed and that end of the two-by-four had Ed Patton's DNA on it.
1: But from there, the report calls into question Tyler's fear her husband may be back on drugs.
9: Mr. Patton showed no drugs in his system at the time of death and a very small amount of alcohol, I think .02, which uh, to be honest, could come from a cold medicine, but we couldn't confirm or deny that he had the flu.
1: That's not the only hole the report punches in Tyler's story to police.
5: He'd been dead for at least a day or two, perhaps. Tyler had made a comment earlier
3: on that she had talked to Ed earlier that morning by phone. I wanted to get something from Tyler at that point in time
2: to show that there was inconsistencies.
1: Could there be a reason why Tyler might want her fourth husband dead?
2: I'm thinking, wow, this is really unusual. She had finally found love with Ed, that they had this storybook life, and there's no way that she would have killed someone that she loved so intensely.
1: Over the next few days, investigators dig deeper into Ed and Tyler's personal affairs, starting with their finances.
7: Ed spoke of himself as being a trust funder implying that his father had left a lot of money in trust for him and the money was actually controlled by lou
2: it's not like he got all the money at once lou oversaw the money and would give it to him periodically
1: but as detectives discover tyler did stand to inherit at least some of her husband's money
2: Tyler was gonna come into a large chunk of money stemming from Ed's um, various real estate properties. She was gonna be entitled to over $100,000.
1: When investigators reach out to the couple's coworkers and friends, they admit the picture-perfect relationship Tyler was so proud of was beginning to fade.
5: One coworker talked about just overhearing conversations between Ed and Tyler. It sounded like to him that Tyler was browbeating him and chastising him, and then Ed would just get really depressed. And, you know, his friend, his co-worker could see it was a very toxic situation for Ed. Tyler was sort of taunting Ed about his inability to make enough money to give her the lifestyle that she wanted and expected.
2: It seemed like he wanted to make this marriage work so badly that he didn't mind being a doormat for Tyler because even though she was berating him, he didn't really fight back.
1: Speaking to Tyler's second husband, they learn more about her fiery temperament.
7: There is evidence that they were having an argument, and he was sitting on the couch watching TV or something and wouldn't let her use his car to go get something.
1: So she'd get him on the head with a flower pot. Coming up, secrets from the grave emerge.
5: Ed had been keeping a journal chronicling the problems between them.
2: And a hidden recording bears all. She was telling Ed, You promised me this great life, and look, we basically have nothing.
1: week following the fatal beating of 49-year-old real estate agent Ed Patton Jr., Kansas investigators are re-examining the rosy picture his widow, Tyler Block Patton, had painted about their marriage.
5: They interviewed people that knew them about uh, problems between Ed and Tyler. Ed confided in people. It was a very troubled marriage.
1: Investigators know they can't hang a murder charge on rumors. Instead, they focus on sifting through the inventory of items collected from the couple's residence after the initial search of the home.
5: As part of the evidence collected in the case, there was something that became known as the Tyler Patton Journal. Ed had been keeping a journal, a diary, if you will, of. sort of chronicling the problems between he and Tyler. And again, the initial portrait of everything's lovey-dovey that Tyler tried to present was certainly contradicted by that journal. Obviously, there was issues.
1: Though the most damning contradiction of all comes from Tyler herself, less than two weeks before Ed's murder.
5: On January 2nd, 2001, there was a phone call between Ed and Tyler that was recorded in which they argued pretty violently. And it didn't sound like things were peaches and cream.
2: This was not your ordinary marital spat. I mean, this was an ugly, ugly fight. I remember thinking, wow, she really, really was angry at Ed.
1: The argument was discovered on a recording device in Ed's home office.
7: They would both get angry and yell and stuff, and that's why Ed would be recording this, and that's what he was recording, with him yelling at Tyler and Tyler yelling at him.
2: She was telling Ed, hey, Ed, you promised me this great life, and look, we basically have nothing. She was saying that she's so unhappy. They hadn't even been married a year yet. And you're thinking to yourself, wow, it was that bad?
1: By the end of the call, it seems the two had decided to go their separate ways. They had a fight in January, and she
4: moved out to that other house. She moved to that other house before he ever got sick. It wasn't because he had the flu.
1: Investigators waste no time bringing Tyler in to confront her with this new evidence.
5: When the police told Tyler, hey, we got this recording, what's the deal with this? And Tyler's story was when we get in fights, we record them. So then later we go back and listen to it and think about how ridiculous we sound.
4: They'd fight and bicker back and forth and they both had tempers and, but they loved each other.
1: Police have their doubts.
5: It just didn't make any
2: sense. Tyler tried to make light of those phone recordings like they were no big deal. But I mean, come on, anybody who listened to those knew that this was a big deal. This was a very, very volatile relationship. It's almost like when you heard the recordings, you were saying to yourself, it's just a matter of time before something really bad happens
1: but Tyler steadfastly maintains her innocence. She insists there's no way she could have killed Ed in such a brutal manner, even if she wanted to.
7: The fall before Ed's death, she was involved in a very freak kind of accident when she was leaving a parking
1: area at a building which caused the airbag to deploy. The result was a ruptured breast implant that had to be replaced.
2: She said, there's no way that I was physically able to kill Ed by swinging a two-by-four because she claimed that she had had surgery that would limit her abilities. Before Christmas, she told me she was wrapping her Christmas
4: presents sitting on the floor because she couldn't raise her arms.
1: With no direct evidence connecting her to Ed's murder, investigators are forced to release Tyler. But based on the circumstantial evidence, they believe she could have multiple motives for committing the crime.
2: Tyler believed that Ed had duped her into this marriage, promising her this lavish lifestyle, and uh, she thought they were struggling.
7: Ed may have misled Tyler to believe that he, in fact, was the beneficiary of the trust and that Lou was just the trustee.
1: In addition, as the surviving spouse, tyler would automatically inherit the couple's investment properties
5: she wanted the money that ed had she wanted uh, real estate money from the real estate that they owned
1: another theory is that tyler thought she might become heir to ed's trust once ed's mom lou died
5: she discovers that the life insurance that she might have gotten turns out she's not the beneficiary that his mother is and I know she does everything she can to try to stay on her mother-in-law's good side.
2: Lou did not think that, certainly, that Tyler had killed her son.
5: Coming up,
1: DNA reveals a killer.
3: Your odds of winning the lottery are much higher than the odds of there being a misrepresentation of the DNA. And Tyler shares her deepest regret. Because what happened if I been there.
1: of investigation, homicide detectives in Overland Park, Kansas are convinced Tyler Block Patton wielded the weapon that killed her husband, Ed Patton Jr. What they're missing is conclusive evidence to prove it. It takes six long months, but in July of 2001, investigators received the state laboratory's DNA findings.
9: The trace evidence found in the home, obviously, is a lot of DNA from Ed Patton and a lot of DNA from Tyler Block Patton. But Tyler Block Patton's DNA has a right to be everywhere in that house, as did Edward's. The unique part is that the murder weapon had her DNA on one end and his DNA on the other.
3: The odds of that DNA match is 1 in 1.84 trillion.
1: On July 6th, 2001, Tyler Block Patton is arrested without incident at one of her rental properties and charged with the first degree murder of her husband, Ed Patton Jr.
2: When Tyler got arrested, it was huge news. We had all been waiting for six months for police to announce some type of break in the case. And when we heard that she had been arrested, we were surprised because she was just not a a likely suspect.
4: There was no way she could have done this or would have done this or had the strength to do this or the heart to do this.
1: When Tyler Block Patton's trial begins on April 22, 2002, it creates quite the stir in the Kansas City community.
2: This is the kind of story that the local media lives for. I mean, all the TV stations, the radio stations were all covering it intensely because it had so many intriguing elements to it.
1: All the attention has Tyler hyper aware of her appearance.
2: I mean, she looked like one of the Real Housewives long before that show ever came out. It was so apparent that her looks were so important to her. It was very important for her to appear as blonde.
9: Her hair had started growing out to its natural color.
2: When she reinvented herself, she was blonde and she wanted to continue with that persona.
1: Though Tyler's looks are crucial to her, the judge is less concerned with them.
7: We had talked about getting a special order from the judge to allow a hairdresser to come in and color her hair for the trial. The judge wouldn't go for that, but what we ended up doing was uh, buying her a blonde wig. She wanted to look like
2: herself. She was striking looking and she knew that it seemed and she was gonna try to use that card to persuade uh, the jury in any way that she could that, hey, look, someone like me couldn't commit murder.
1: But prosecutors remind jurors not to be deceived by first impressions.
5: The motive that the prosecution presented to the jurors was essentially greed that Tyler wanted money, that because it looked like they were gonna be going their separate ways, she was afraid she wasn't gonna get any of that, so she had to take some action.
1: Prosecutors believe that on or around January 14th, 2001, Tyler let herself into the house and bludgeoned Ed in his sleep with a piece of fencing she found in the couple's backyard.
9: I'm not sure that Mr. Patton could have stopped this from happening. I saw no evidence of him ever being able to provide any defense.
1: Prosecutors say after the murder, Tyler staged the scene to make it look like an interrupted burglary.
9: The house wasn't ransacked. It was drawers dumped out. The floor lamp in the bedroom was a nice lamp. And if there had been a scuffle, it would have just gotten knocked over and broken, but it was laid gently over so that the lampshade was not damaged.
1: To seal their case, prosecutors present the DNA evidence found on the murder weapon.
2: When they brought up the DNA evidence, you could see a lot of jurors kind of glaring and, and, and saying, wow.
1: But defense attorneys argue the state's DNA evidence isn't as conclusive as it appears.
7: Ed's DNA was obviously blood, and there was obviously lots of it. Tyler's, there was very little of it, and it could have been on the board
1: any time before the crime. Her defense team argues there's another issue that would have precluded Tyler from committing the crime.
8: She'd recently had a breast implant removed, and she she was weak in the upper body.
1: But prosecutors contend Tyler not only had the strongest motive to commit the crime, she also had the means.
2: One of their real strong bits of evidence was a photo of Tyler a few days before Ed was found murdered up on the roof of their house swinging a hammer. So that was another really convincing bit of evidence that Tyler could definitely have been responsible for the murder.
1: On May 2nd, 2002, the jury retires to deliberate Tyler's fate.
2: They came
5: back and um, fairly quickly had a verdict. She was convicted and sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for 25 years.
4: It was horrible. I do not ever remember hearing beyond a reasonable doubt. And to me, there was no definite proof that she
2: did it. When the sentence was handed down, you could see the relief from Ed's mother, Lou.
1: Though in the eyes of the law justice has been served, Tyler Block Patton maintains her innocence to this day. She vehemently believes she was the intended target and points to her now deceased half-brother, Mark Walsh, as the likeliest suspect.
6: Ed was sick and he was sleeping. When Ed slept, he covered his whole body up, and he had lost so much weight. In the bed, he could have looked like me. My brother squared was going to kill me. So I always thought, if my family thought, he went in and killed me, thinking he was killing me.
1: For Tyler, she has one regret.
6: It probably wouldn't have happened if I had been there, but I was over there. I should have just come back home later and not stayed over there.
1: As far as Overland Park police officers are concerned, the evidence presented
6: at trial still speaks for itself. I absolutely think it was a correct verdict.
2: What it taught me is that you never know what's going on behind closed doors.
0: Tyler Block Patton is currently housed in the Topeka Correctional Facility. She will be eligible for parole in 2026 when she is 76 years old. Her half-brother, Mark Walsh, died in prison while serving a life sentence for an unrelated double murder.
1: For more information on Snapped, go to oxygen.com.
2: Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city